welcome to Then Now Whatever, the wrestling podcast. Wishing you a happy new year with episode 16. I'm your host, the Doctor Among Men, Duncan Joyce, and I'm joined once again by the hardest working Triple H Mark in show business, Mr. Kyle Cambry. Hello, welcome to the show. How you been, Kyle? I've been alright. It's been a relaxing Christmas. Yeah. Spending time with family and friends. Yeah, how's yours? Same pretty much, yeah, nice and easy. Santa got me pretty much what I wanted. That's good. The last few years, it's been a case of not asking Santa for anything. Because mm. I quite like the idea of not knowing anything at all. And Santa's been on a good run again. Just things that I've, I've wanted and I've not asked for. Oh, nice stuff. Yeah. No, I had um, Christmas night, I had this really weird wrestling-based dream. Okay. It was some kind of house show, but it was in like a, a British theatre type place. It kind of looked like, you know, the Hammerstein Ballroom with the uh, balconies and stuff. Yeah. And I was the ring announcer. I was like, oh, we all have fun tonight. I tell you what, there's nothing that beats great British architecture. And then the crowd started to turn. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that's the most accidental partridge thing I've ever said in the dream. <laughs> You know what? At the end of the day, nothing beats the great British architecture. Brilliant. And then Dolph Ziggler's music hit, and then all of a sudden I was Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> wow. Um, it were a tag team match. It was me and Kevin Owens against Shinsuke Nakamura and Bobby Roode. Okay. So me and Roode are starting the match. I do the like hair flick thing Ziggler does, get the sweat in his eyes. Yeah. And Bobby Roode's about to do his hand twizzle glorious thing. And then all of a sudden we noticed, to my right and his left, there were a line of ballet dancers next to us. And then they, start, they all started to set off one after the other, like pirouetting away. And we were like, fuck it, we'll follow them on the end. <laughs> then they like kind of joined up with each other in the middle again and did like a dirty dancing thing where one of them hoisted you were up. So I hoisted Bobby Roode up and carried him about a bit. And then, as the heel, I slammed him down for a spine buster. How much did you have to drink? <laughs> it's crazy. I... Wow. I mean, I thought I had crazy dreams. But... Jesus. Does <laughs> wrestling ever turn up in, in your dreams? Wrestling does turn up in my dreams. It's, it's a little different, though, for me. I suffer quite a lot from depression. So, for me, I use wrestling as a way to fight off bad thoughts. So, quite a few times I've stunned a few bad thoughts and, you know, like, that's my form of wrestling in my dreams. So, it's a little different. It's not weird and wacky out there. It's just more <laughs> of the general, let's let's get these guys out and let's fight and let's see what happens. Yeah. Mm. What's your favourite thing in wrestling since we last recorded? I quite like this build-up of Bray and Matt. Yeah. Have you heard Matt's new theme tune? garden show yeah yeah it sounds really good sounds really really good so i'm excited for that i don't know whether it's going to move past the rumble or whether they're going to 
whether we'll see a match at the Rumble, I'm not too sure, but yeah. I, I like the slow build of it. They're going to fight each other at the 205 Live house yeah. shows. So I suppose that by doing that at the live shows, you're kind of giving them opportunity to try different stuff ready for when they, they do go on to the televised. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the, the last few UK events they've done. They've bolstered the show with 205 Live guys. So yeah. now they're doing the opposite. It's like, oh, we're, we're bolstering 205 shows with main roster guys. Mm. Have you seen Bray's custom like follow the buzzards universal title as well? Yeah, very nice. Oh, um, really good, yeah. And the, the whole Abigail stitched into it as well. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. My favourite news item is Cedric Alexander being the number one contender. Yes, yes, please, just... Just... Fuck Enzo off, please. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, he's been one of the most consistent workers on that roster for ages, and it feels like it's been months and months since he got a shot. He's finally getting rewarded for his hard work again. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of Cedric Alexander. He's a good workhorse. I think the stuff that he does is really good to watch. I'm all for him beating Enzo. I really don't like Enzo. No. Enzo can just... Fuck off. <laughs> that he, I've said this before. He's the reason I don't watch 205. I can't remember a worthwhile match that I've heard about on 205 Live in weeks and weeks. I just don't understand what they see in Enzo. The whole Cass and Enzo thing, fine. I get that. I totally get that because mm. they fit into each other perfectly, the personality-wise. But as a singles guy, No. No, I just ain't working for me either. They need to fuck him off and they need to have him as Nia Jax's manager. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it is a good push for Cedric. But we all know how the booking system's going to go. Don't you never know, New Year's Day might be a new start in some well, yeah, sort of way. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Hopefully be 2018 by the time you're hearing this. So another year wrapped up, 2017 out of the way. We thought we'd take a look back and see some of the things that we enjoyed the most about the year. And again, like our episode based on 2016 last year, we're going to remain mostly positive and look at like the best of stuff and things we enjoyed. 2017 in general, Kyle, what are some of the things that crop to your mind immediately when you think back about this year? AJ Styles, a big one. But we said this last year, he's outstanding. Any match that he puts on, whether that's Smackdown, House Show, Pay-Per-View... You're kind of getting your money's worth. You could pay for your ticket and just watch AJ. That's that's kind of what he brings to it. Samoa Joe, another one. Yeah, finally on the main roster. Yeah. I've heard little bits and bats about the way that he conducts himself with his moves are a little dangerous. You know, we, we saw with the Rollins thing. But other than that, again, he, he puts 100% in. The crowd love him, you know, whether he, he's good or bad. I think that he's one of those guys that you could kind of see like a hidden you've got like your hidden character and then you've got some old Joe that's going round and hitting everyone and mm. it's like right, who's controlling this guy who's controlling this guy he, he's, <laughs> he's that he's that perfect do you know what I mean that perfect monster you know that, that makes it realistic because you wouldn't have someone like Braun or Brock doing doing something like that whereas he's your so it's like a monster, but it's kind of more of a wily monster. Yeah, and he's your more down-to-earth monster, so yeah. it's more believable. Mm. 
and then you, you'd have like what I'm gonna say Triple H just to bring it out there. <laughs> but you, you you know he would be the type of guy that Triple H would come out and go, "This is my new guy." Yeah, you know. And there's been hints of that, hasn't there, with with Kevin Owens and you know the NXT guys and him having the, the little conversations, but we never never got anything out of that. Yeah, I mean, you go back to his whole involvement with Seth in mm. general. That's how he started. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Like he's like the the front guy for the higher power. Yeah, I think that they're the ones for me, the superstars. Mm, yeah, got a big year next year for them. We'll see. I wouldn't bet against them, like. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, obviously with the, the UK division sort of establishing, mm. it's quite wise what they did there. Like, they didn't totally gut everyone on the scene out in one big, massive, super-duper division. Yeah. And it makes sense as well, because if they're starting out with a tournament, some people have to lose. And then keeping it so that they can work other places. Yeah. And doing things like letting Norm go and work at ICW again, having Jack do the New York Progress show. Yeah, yeah. And now you've got things like Apollo Crews is going to compete for Preston City Wrestling again mm. next year. And Oni Larkin's going to turn up for a like, meet and greet thing at Beyond at the end of the year. Mm. People might say WWE are trying to put their hands in to be greedy. But I think that it works both ways. And I think that having their fingers in in lots of different pies can only help the wrestling business. Obviously, the the main goal is for WWE to bring them in, but for us, how good's watching progress, knowing that you've got WWE guys there. You know how good's watching evolve, or you know any of the, those sort of stuff. So yeah, it's a it's a good thing, I'd say. And like, even if it's not someone who's immediately interested in working with WWE or like th- their time doesn't quite work out. Yeah. Just having it so that there's a different set of fans that are aware of their name and yeah. that gives them a bit of even more face value they can work on, like going back about the regular routines, mm. things like that. Yeah. It's like the May Young Classic is the same sort of thing as well. Lots of really good wrestling, lots of fresh names, mm. lots of names that, you know, if you had a sensibility of enjoying independent wrestling you'll be familiar with but you're not necessarily going to be familiar with 100% of the field and yeah I had a heck of a lot of fun yeah yeah and the other thing that sprung to mind is this sort of evolving pay-per-view calendar we've got now yeah with the network the way it is and with the two individual brands mm. so we've sort of seen it slow down a bit more as we headed towards the tail end of the year and yeah I think they've kind of decided maybe they did one too many events and yeah. there's only going to be like a f- one or two months next year where there's more than one network I, special. I, I quite like these pay-per-views and I think the network specials work, but I know what you mean that, you know, I think there the maybe were one or two more. I think the problem now is because NXT is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's, you know, bringing in not only space for them. I know they do theirs on a Saturday, but by doing theirs on a Saturday, I mean, well, you know, you, your most hardcore fans might want wrestling every day of the week, but you don't want to overface a fan. Mm. So, yeah, you know, maybe calming down with the pay-per-views. And even if, I don't know, you, you take out your shitter ones, so then you, you only have your main, like NXT, basically, and, you know, they only have a, their main pay-per-views. They don't mm. have your mid-card pay-per-views and stuff. And I think maybe your quality would go up if you did it that way as well. 
give a show two months to build something up. You may yeah. get something at the end. I mean, exactly. That's the way it was the original mm. brand extension when they were doing brand exclusive pay-per-views. Yeah. It's really good because you get certain storylines get blown off on television. Like, yeah. if it's the month that they're not on pay-per-view. Mm. Like, I mean, you had Rey Mysterio and Matt Hardy early on in SmackDown's mm. run and Kane and Evolution. Or brouhaha that led to Kane demasking and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to pay-per-views and individual shows, what are some of your favourite events of the year? Survivor Series. Obvious reasons. Seeing Triple H back in the room. Oh, fuck's sake. (laughs) I think SummerSlam was a good one for me. Uh I quite liked the build-up of the main event. You know, all four big guys going up against each other. They did that very well. They yeah. didn't ruin any character. They didn't make anyone seem bigger than the other person. And the match itself was really good as well. WrestleMania, of course, this year. Incredible. Huge surprise having the Hardys come back. Hardys. Oh my God, that's probably one of the top moments of the year. Yeah, like keeping that a secret as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was rumbles that it might happen, but normally when a rumour comes out, you kind of you get the whole... It is going to happen, but nobody knows. Mm. Whereas we didn't even get that. We just kind of got, well, we don't know where they are, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a huge surprise. I never actually thought it would happen. I was maybe holding out for Raw After Mania, because sometimes they do stuff then. So, that yeah, that was a big thing for me. The Triple H-Seth match, that was really good. All fun aside, you know, Survivor Series aside and Triple H coming out, I think Mania and, and SummerSlam were the two for me. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? WrestleMania was a wonderful show in mm. general. Just really good, like, even though it was quite long, it was really good fun. And when it was starting to dip, there was something that would turn it back around again. Yeah. Put a bit more energy back into it. I think that the whole staging of it as well was good. It seems like every Mania, the ramp gets longer. Are these setting out a record? Because you got the whole, when the cameras aren't looking, let's sit on a little jeep and just drive them down there. It seems ridiculous. Like, why does a ramp need to be that big? (laughs) Another talking point from Mania. The Undertaker. It's just the last time we see Taker. Yeah. There are rumours here and there. Does he want to keep it going? Is he going to ruin his legacy if he comes back and it's shit? He's supposed to be at the 25th anniversary Raw show. And yeah. reportedly he's not just there to say hello. Mm-hmm. According to some circles. Like, obviously it was a disappointing match. Yeah. But as a send-off goes, it's just perfect. Like, you didn't need to hammer over people's head beforehand that, oh, this is, like, a, going to be a legacy-defining match. If Taker loses, where does he go? Yeah. It's just, no, he lost. You kind of felt that aura from people's reaction to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is his send off then. And mm. I thought it was, it was very well done post match. Yeah. At least. I just think, like, bringing it into Roman, did they set him up to fail? He wasn't the right like, guy to help carry the match, but he mm. was the right guy to take the win, I felt. In yeah. terms of, oh, this is a good person to pass on that yeah. credibility and stuff whoever was gonna be associated with ending the Undertaker's career it was gonna be a bit of a heat magnet yeah. you might as well pile that all onto Roman 
he was always heat anyway and you know just work out the system so then you know when it's time for the shield to come back all it's all fine and dandy now mm. I don't know I just think that I don't have a problem with Roman at all mm. I just think that the way that they book him I see why the fans have a problem yeah it does feel like they try a bit too hard at it, certain points it's what happened in the latter of Cena's career yes yeah. you know the way that they booked Cena kind of got the fans on his back and you know oh he's going to win this he's going to win that he's going to do this he's going to do that you know we all knew what was going to happen and mm. that's now being mirrored with Roman and we know what's going to happen next Mania which why should we know what's going to happen next Mania mm. right now I totally get your point there it feels very telegraphed at the minute yeah oh yeah so like no Mercy was another event I really, really mm. enjoyed. But two of the top line matches from that, you had Roman Reigns survive everything John Cena can throw at him mm. and rather routinely put him away at the end. Brock Lesnar survived everything Braun Strowman could throw at him and then rather routinely won at the very end of the match. Yeah. Oh, I wonder who's going to face each other at WrestleMania. Dropping hints is fine. Shouting it from a mountaintop, not so much, I don't think. But I mean, as far as other events go, like I was saying, WrestleMania is really good. Survivor Series had a lot of worthwhile stuff. Uh, ironically, not the Survivor Series team matches, I felt. You had Shield and the New Day. Oh, AJ and Brock. What a wonderful match that was. AJ and Brock was a fantastic match. Yeah, for sure. Just again, like last year, the Royal Rumble was a super consistent event and people just seem to be sleeping on it from the looks of things. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I know I've been praising WrestleMania and Survivor Series, but I thought as far as like the big four shows coping with the expanded format, I thought the Royal Rumble did the best job out of this year. Yeah, yeah, 100%. They're going to have a difficulty this year. Mm, well... I like that they've got a women's rumble. Mm -hmm. How it's going to fit into the logistics of everything is where it might struggle. I mean, my suggestion was you make it like the old Elimination Chamber pay-per-views when there were two chamber matches. You put one at the start, you put one at the end of the show. You know, maximise your distance between Mm. gimmick matches. Help stem audience fatigue and it helps the matches which are, let's face it, the star attractions of the show get the most over. Yeah. You hear it first on the podcast. Okay? Yeah. So this is, you're saying split it up. Yeah. So one at the front, one at the back. Okay. Yeah. Minimum five years time, Women's Royal Rumble will be the last match at the Rumble. I'd be very much up for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way it's going. You know, they're, they're doing the first of this, the first of that, the first of the other, the first of, who knows. And there's some good quality women wrestlers as well some really good quality they have done a very good job of widening the field in the women's division these past yeah few months mm. is Paige not doing so good she got injured she, yeah she took a bad fall at uh, Union Day or House show last night and we don't know if it's a shoulder or a rib but she was able to leave the ring of her own accord and apparently she was doing a lot better after the show so hopefully it's not too much. And she's got this stable going. 
it'd be very easy to protect her and not have her do anything too strange, strenuous if they were yeah. a bit worried about her so that she, she could still make it to this rumble. We heard a lot of ifs and buts while she was out, but since she's come back, she's done great, hasn't she? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I'm all in for a Paige Oscar singles match. Yes, yes. Hopefully at WrestleMania. Mm. Like that. Other shows I've thought to mention Great Balls of Fire in the summer. Yeah, Probably. shit name, but, <laughs> I know, yeah. you know. It's probably my favourite single-branded pay-per-view. Really? Yeah, Alexa and Sasha. Was that the, did they have the ambulance match? Braun and Roman Can't... had some kind of match. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that was good. Joe and Brock I enjoyed. And there's something with the bar and the Hardys as well. Another thing that's delivered. Really. Yeah. The final night of the UK tournament. Very good. Filled with great stuff. Very yeah. good. Go check out our episode nine, I think it is. And yes. you can go back and watch it with us. And then NXT, every TakeOver event this year has been thoroughly enjoyable. I mean, not even this year, just NXT, any, any, I'm starting. <laughs> any NXT event is always brilliant. Yeah. You know, pay-per-view wise. The weekly shows, there might be one that's alright and the other one... But as of the pay-per-views and the specials that they do, there hasn't been one bad pay-per-view. Nah. I mean, War Games was incredible. Yeah, I think that was my favourite of the bunch that yeah. I was going to mention. Yeah. My favourite match wasn't even you know high on the card. Mine was Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was incredible. Everything that fades to black must come into the light. Here we have Alistair Black. The man who walked through darkness only to be blinded by the light that is your velveteen dream. So it's one that thinks that you're special. The man who is the polar opposite of Alistair Black. I'm out of the superstars. I'm the Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream doing whatever it takes to attract Alistair Black's attention. But the truth is, they all want recognition. Not again. That's a mistake. I refuse to acknowledge a child that throws a tantrum to get attention. Hey! Say my name! Acknowledge me! Alistair Black denying Velveteen the dream of the acknowledgement that he so desperately wants. So, yeah, they just, just blew it out of the water. Oh, uh, yeah, the chemistry those two had was great. Mm-hmm. And like, as far as individual episodes of TV go, like, you know, you know, I mentioned NXT as a TV show is on a bit off a bit because they have squash matches and things. But one of the ones from the other week, from the 20th of December, that was the first entire episode of NXT I've seen in a long while, and it was brilliant. It had... Was uh, Roddy and Lars sort of similar to when Lars and Cassius were there? But I thought Roddy was more well suited because he was like more technical and evasive and stuff. Yeah. Then you had the tag title change hands, the undisputed era getting it as another good match, and then Pete and Tyler headlined it. Another really great addition to the trilogy WWE matches. 
anything that Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate do, it was you know incredible. They've had their three matches now against each other, and I can't pick which one I, I like. Mm. The newest one, there was a part in the match where they were both just hitting each other. Just one hook, one hook, one hook, one hook. And he went on for ages. <laughs> I was just like, holy shit. But I think it's a case for them not only to have a good match, but because they're British, they want to bring their style over to the US, show them what they've got. And it gets me every time. I love the whole left hand up. Bang! Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, you know, I popped really hard when he did that to Dunn. <laughs> it's like, ah! Uh, yeah. On that subject, then, how about in terms of favourite matches of the year? Like you're saying, that trilogy of matches. Yeah, so, right, right up there. so they're, yeah, they're definitely up there. For the payoff, again, I'm not just saying this just because of it, it, it being Triple H, but the, the payoff, I think, at Mania with Triple H and Seth, you know, that story had, been, had gone on for years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, splitting the shield up, Seth then becoming the man. Seth then got the face turn when he got injured and, and then the, the big payoff at Mania of we always knew that as much as I would like Triple H to have won we always knew that it would have been Seth and that kind of put him up another notch so for me the whole build up to that the whole three years of telling a story paid off for me at Mania AJ and Brock really really good match correct me if I'm wrong but I, I think that AJ is the first competitor that actually made wrestling Brock not look boring I'd definitely say that was Brock's best singles match in a good two years probably like since he was with Taker last Mm. I think I just think that whoever Brock faces it's no matter who you are it's a squash we we knew Brock was going to win again but I genuinely genuinely was thinking AJ might win here you know he's got a chance and that's what you want. Yeah. When, like, Dean's faced him or Seth's faced him and stuff, you kind of think, well, I've not really got a chance. I know. know. I got really worried in the early goings that it was going to be another Brock and Seth thing. Yeah. But, like, the way they wormed AJ's chances into the match was really, really good and worked out great. Yeah. And especially the bit where AJ's got him in the calf crusher and Brock just, like, mauls him like a bear against the mat to break the hold. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic stuff. I've not watched the full videos, but Kenny and Akada, I've only seen highlights of the three they've had. But oh my word. I'm sure that they're joined at the hip at some point to know, you know, to do this, to do that, to do the other. They're fast-paced, unbelievable matches. So I do need to go back and I do need to watch the full matches, but I've seen... I think it was um, a 15-minute highlight that someone had put on YouTube of the three matches that clipped together. And, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I think it was, it was the first one, Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom at the start of the year was yeah. the first one. And then one in the summer. And then yeah, one. they had a 60-minute time limit draw in the summer. Yeah. And then Kenny beat Okada in one of the G1 rounds. Yes. yeah. Later in the summer. Yeah, I saw all three of the Blue Magnificent. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Cena and AJ at the Rumble. Yep. If you're going to have Cena match that record, there's a great way to like, embellish him that he is the man of this era. Oh, yeah. AJ's yeah. the perfect person for him. They're, mm. they're always great together. Yeah. 
slightly obscure one, but Neville against Cedric Alexander from one of the January 205 Live shows. Yeah, it's a shame that we forget about Neville now. Do we ever know what actually happened? Do we think it's the whole politics side of it? Yeah. Shit mainly pay off because you're not on the DVD because you're on the pre-show. Poor positioning on the card and things like that. And I feel sorry for Neville because I really like Neville. I thought he was fantastic when he came back from injury. Yeah, it's just a shame what happened. Yeah. Shame what happened. You know, he, he was great in the cruiserweights. You mentioned earlier Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream. Oh, what a match. I got a sense that it could have been like the sleeper hit of the show. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be better than everything on the show. No, no, no. It's just wonderful. I can't remember. There's like a twisting DDT thing that yeah. Dream did. It was like a Sister Abigail type deal. Yeah. God, it's just amazing. The thing for me is Velveteen Dream just his persona and, and his character that he's got it just you can't help but watch and it works it 100% works and I think that helped the match as well yeah because you, you go up against Alistair Black's unorthodox style and you know the whole pissing about sitting down cross-legged and all that sort of shit and you just think oh my god this guy basically it's a story based on wanting respect and yeah they're two like say they're two Personality-wise, on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Just fantastic. Mm. Johnny Gargano and Andrade Cien Almas from Brooklyn Free. Yeah. Wonderful stuff there. And it's no surprise to me that that's going to be the championship match in the Philly show now. Yeah. They work together wonderfully. More NXT stuff. Asuka and Nikki Cross with the last woman standing match. I think they're probably one of my favourite women's division matches. Probably the biggest instance of like, okay, right, we're just going to go to war here. Just for everything we can think of in the match, and just it's a fight, you know? Yeah. You could probably drop a dart on any kind of New Day and Usos or the Bar and the Hardys yeah. match, and you'll get a really, really good showing. Yeah. But I think my particular favourite was the Hell in a Cell with the Usos in the New Day. Yes. And the whole um, trapped in the corner. Yeah. Kendo sticks, yeah. Yeah, they're incredibly inventive there. Mm. Roman and Braun, again, have been great all year long. Probably the ambulance match is the best one. You know, Braun's actually the first big guy that I've actually thought, do you know what, I don't mind him. Braun has like such a good mix of movesets that he's not just a big guy. You know, he can wrestle. Yeah. And I think that's what helps him. Whereas, you know, you got you the likes of the great Cali and stuff like that. You kind of you can see why pe- people would hate the big guy. Yeah. It's working for Braun. He's doing what needs to be done. And again we got another tournament this year in the May Young Classic, so there's lots of great stuff in there. I think my five favourites would have been Santana Garrett against Piper Niven, Abby Leif versus Jazzy Gabbett, the first main event of the first episode. Mm. That was a really good way of setting up a story for, oh, okay, this is really, this really means something to the competitors and things like that. Yeah. They work really well together. Piper versus Tony Storm. Just an all-out Joshi match on WWE TV. Yeah. It's all kinds of suplexes and harder-hitting stuff. Just magnificent. And then Kyrie saying has been 
probably the highlight of the tournament. So her match with Tony as well. Again, yeah. great. You know, another stardom pairing coming off there. And Kyrie versus Bianca Bel- Belair as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. She's a star in the making, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like we saw with the Cruiserweights, you know, there's a lot of people in the in the May Young Classic that will go- get somewhere. So how about individual wrestlers of the year? So you mentioned AJ and Samoa Joe at the start of the show. They're more kind of my guys to watch in 2017 than, than standouts because like we've discussed with AJ he stands out regardless so mm-hmm. I, I can't choose AJ as a standout guy for that reason so choosing the standout people it's someone who might have been in the company for a while who now is finally getting somewhere for example I'm really liking the bar I know that's not singles but you've got two single competitors. Yeah. And normally two single competitors, putting them together doesn't generally work, you know, unless, like the Shield, they started like that and then they become singles. And the work ethic that Seamus and Cesaro put in is fantastic. I was never a fan of Seamus as a singles, but them two in the the bar is incredible. Another standout, SmackDown, Bobby Roode. He's really come into his own now. Quite upsetting that he didn't get the US title because I'm not quite sure what the hell's happening with Dolph and what's going on there. You know, wouldn't the title relinquish it? What the hell is happening? But yeah, he'd be my standout for, for SmackDown, definitely. Yeah, they've not kind of fast-tracked him as much as you'd have perhaps hoped Yeah, coming from the way he was treated in NXT. Mm. A standout female? Ask her. 100%. No question. Against who? Not really done anything on Raw, but I think that kind of happens when you first come in. You kind of get your first push. You should still whoop anyone else's ass, you know, within the locker room, but she needs that push now. Yeah, like you don't want to have her smother the big names right away. So yeah. if, if you're going to be identified as this new dominant figure in the division, you're going to be fed the scraps to begin with. So yeah. then... Okay, well, that's them out of the way. Then it makes it more ominous when she comes up against the bigger names, yeah. like Paige or Sasha or Alexa. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the three. I know the bars are tag team, but the two single guys. But yeah, they're my standouts. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I've thought, like, in terms of tag teams as well, I can't really separate the Usos and the New Day from each other mm-hmm. in terms of their work this year. Yeah. They have a stunning rivalry, they've been really consistent. And they've worked well with other people as well on top of that. Mm. Like you tend to see some schools like favour the Usos, some favour the New Danes t- in terms of like, okay, how why is this delivered? They're, they're just neck and neck with each other. They've just got it down, really. Yeah, I think for me, the Usos just pip it. The more, not real, but I don't know, something about the New Days, cheapy, comic-y, gimmicky, lets them down only a tad yeah, sure, only yeah. a tad but that's then what makes the Usos a little better than the New Day especially the thing the Usos have going for them as well is well they've had to really evolve their characters a great deal yeah, over yeah, the yeah. period of time whereas yeah. New Day are kind of like playing the hits and arsing about as you say yeah and I like the Usos gimmick as well so that helps I like the whole day one-ish yeah they've even got Rusev involved on some of the Instagram pictures and <laughs> 
Rusev Day-ish. Happy Rusev Day, yeah. Kyle. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Rusev as well. Oh, what a guy. He's so funny. Brilliant. From someone like who I actually really, really did not like, he's... I don't know whether it's because he's a completely different person on Twitter and Instagram, and he's just like a barrel of laughs, and he's a really nice guy, but yet when he's in WWE, he's this Rusev destroyer, whereas I think now the WWE are now playing on him being a funny guy, and they're starting to bring him as a person into the wrestling ring. Not been paying attention to the TV close enough to figure it out, but I was trying, like, wondering what was the kind of breaking point because you know we've known all year long Rusev is a really good laugh on social mm. media. He started doing this whole Rusev Day thing when he was feuding with Orton, mm. like way back in the autumn. Why is it like suddenly just now that he does Rusev Day stuff and the crowd? In the live shows, get along with it. Because, like, before, like... Okay, yeah, everyone enjoys him on social media, but they still boo him mm. at the shows. Oh, this Rusev Day stuff's pretty funny, but in Wrestle Orton and people would favour Orton. Now, he's like, Happy Rusev Day, everyone! And like, yeah, fucking Rusev Day! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It, 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 it does seem ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> Other notable names, like we were talking earlier about Neville. Yeah. It's perhaps being a little bit forgotten about because of how things turned sour, but yeah. his first half of the year was just tremendous. Has he been released? Has it come out that he's been released now no. or not? For, for so. refusing to let him go. What a shame. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Carrie Sane. Mm. Just a breath of fresh air. Just, oh, yeah. Just one of those gimmicks where you're like, Yes! Yes! <laughs> I love you! <laughs> I will do whatever it takes! Just, yeah. just keep going! Yeah, I know what you mean. It's a very easy character to just get on board with. And we've got to give The Miz a lot of credit as well. Oh yeah, tons of credit. I've never been a massive fan of The Miz, but over these last few years, he's done fantastic. The whole idea that him and Senior actually don't get on, I can believe... Mm-hmm. And we kind of saw that with the rivalry, you know, they they pretty much said exactly how they felt. And yeah, he doesn't hold back. He he's a hundred percent about the business, and I think he's he's the ultimate example of somebody who isn't respected within the business when he first starts, who is just a reality TV star who wants to wrestle. You know, who the hell is this guy? to build himself up to be who he is now, 10, 11 years later, you just think. And this is the TV. This is where we watch The Marine. It's not very good, but that's why we're not allowed to watch the sequels, because The Miz is a better actor than John, and that makes John very, very sad. That reminds me, Nikki. I have something very special to give to you. You've been dropping a lot of hints, and I think it's time. I bought you a diamond. Dallas Page Yoga DVD set! Let's keep moving on John Cena Recognize. 
what a guy. Like you're saying, especially opposite Cena and then this past summer, like opposite Jason and Dean Ambrose mm. and things like that. Yeah. Let's take a look at some of our favourite storylines and rivalries. What comes to mind? Right, well, Miz and Cena, not even just a specific part, just mm. in general. I'm going to say... AJ and Jinder, right? And the reason that I'm going to say this, this might be a bit of a surprise because everyone knows how shit Jinder Mahal is. But, you know when you watch a storyline and you kind of know where it's going because it's already been recycled? Uh Uh-huh. I liked the whole idea that it it was a new storyline and that I kind of didn't know which way it was going to go and the whole, the thing with the Sing Boys, how they were in... And he was like, oh yeah, Ginger doesn't like us anymore and you know, we want to join you and we want to join you. That part's been done before because then normally what would happen is the face would be like, oh right, okay, yeah, okay, fine. Right, Ginger, come out. And then the Sing Boys would attack. Whereas AJ just flipped the book completely and was like, now nah, I'm not in any of your shit. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, that was very well done. That was a surprise to me because I was expecting AJ to be like, right, okay, cool. Right, okay, right. Now where's Ginger? There's three of us now. And he just flipped the book completely. And yeah, so I, I really liked that storyline. Over the past few months, the whole Braun, Brock, Roman thing has been building and brewing. I like how they're just they're hinting at it. They're not actually... Because obviously it's got to be a slow build for Mania. But I like how, you know... I don't know whether it's because they've not got any, any other stories to do, but it, it pops up every now and again of, of Braun giving Roman a bit of a, a hit and Roman, you know, the opposite way around without it going on for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know. So that's that's a good storyline. Not so much a storyline, but the whole Hardys, are they broken, are they not broken? The whole backstory to that of, are they getting the rights to it? Can we do this? Is he woken? You know, delete, delete, delete. So yes, yeah, so they're my, my few that I've, Quite enjoyed. Mm. Most of mine have cropped up in like the match of the year rundown. Bait and Dunn, Braun and Roman, the Usos and the New Day, the Hardys and the Bar. Lots of really, really good pairings with lots of fantastic chemistry yeah. going on this year. As a whole, 2017 was the year of the tag team split. It was like yeah. really drawing proper, pure emotion from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you had. Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, the Festival of Friendship, one of the all-time great Raw segments. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Like I said, it's really not much, especially not compared to this, but it comes from the heart, man. Thanks, go, go ahead, open it. Okay. I, dude, I can't, I can't, I didn't know you were going to get me anything. I know it's not much, but... It's perfect. A new list. I mean, it's great. I mean, the other list is, is getting beat up and it's, it's getting full. How come my name's on this? when 
there's a pairing and they're both heels and you have to split one from the other yeah. and get sympathy on one person, that can be quite hard. But the way they drew it out, with Jericho being more sort of earnest about what being with Kevin has done for him and things yeah. like that. And it was just funny beforehand as well. Chris, I have two kids. I can't be having them see this. I don't, you don't even have any pants on. I, it's art. You don't need pants. I think that's true to Jericho's character and Jericho as a person. Because like we were saying about the Miz and the Usos, about how they've evolved over time, so's Jericho because he, for the last, what, maybe six, seven years, maybe longer than that, he's only dipped in and out of the company. Yeah. So every time he comes back, he has to evolve himself to what's current. And he does that successfully every time. Yeah, I think that's definitely been to the benefit of him, like coming in and out and having other pursuits because then he has the time to think, okay, what's going on then? Mm. And sometimes when like you're inside the tent pissing out, you don't really see yeah. some of the trends coming necessarily. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Another highlight for me was Andrade Cien Almas, the way they've had his character turn things around. So you this party boy, his kind of wheels were spinning at the start of the year. Yeah. They brought Selena Vega in and really kind of resharpened his focus and lo and behold, he's the champion by the end of the year. Yeah. That was very, very well done. That was another reason I really enjoyed him working with Johnny at Brooklyn. Yeah. Really felt like the point where Armas had truly got that mix, that hybrid of... WWE's influence on his style and you know, his style coming in. Yeah, I think it's taken almost quite a while to get to where he is now. And sometimes when they sign the bigger guys, you can kind of get lost in translation a little bit. And that's kind of what happened when Drew McIntyre came. Because we all know Drew. Drew, you know, used to be in the roster. He was part of 3MB and He'd not been away from the company for, a, you know, it was only, what, is it two two years, two and a half years? Two, three years like or something, yeah. So then for him to come back, get the opportunity straight away, you're kind of thinking, well, look at all these other guys that are really breaking the backs out, and mm. then you give it straight to Drew. You know, fair enough, he's, he's injured now, which is a shame, but so it, it's good that they've put it on to one of the NXT old boys, if you will, uh, you know, and said, you know, thank you for the hard work. On the subject of NXT and tag team splits, the DIY split. Yes. Heart-wrenching. Yes. And that's perfect proof of a good story pulling it, you know, pulling a good story off. And you felt for both for both wrestlers, even though, you know, you had the split. It's not a case of everyone rushing to one person's corner. You kind of wanted to push the other one back as well. You're kind of like, well, no, we don't want this. We don't want this sort of thing like we said with with Owens and Jericho when there's a split normally there there is a genuine split but because we enjoyed DIY so much he kind of didn't want that split and didn't really want to believe it yeah, yeah, sense, yeah. yeah on the opposite end of the spectrum I quite liked how they reunited the shield really yes I think I've mentioned it before on some previous episodes that like the, the way they started off with basing it around Rollins and Dean and Seth really having to work very, very hard to regain Dean's trust. Mm. And then from there, 
they got to the point where like, well, okay, there's shit getting fucked up and like they're getting bossed about by mares in the bar and all sorts and they just have to turn to Roman back saying, like, fuck is this? We should be yeah. sorting this out. Like, okay, let's sort this out and bam. And I don't want to get into an argument with fans at all, but what's the difference with Roman in the shield or not in the shield? Like, the crowd reaction is completely different. Yeah. They cheer him now. Why? He's not changed. I can't remember quite the verbiage of it, but there was one tweet around the time they just finally fully got together and like, okay, so you guys were asking for a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion. Well, Ambrose and Rollins have been teaming for a couple of months now and you're like, yeah, okay. But you're like, no, we want the S.H.I.E.L.D. And then Roman came along and you're like, okay, yeah, we're really happy now. So what you really wanted was Roman? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes the fans just want a reason to boo. Mm-hmm. They want a reason to fight the system. And Roman's that reason. I mean, he's not now, now he's back in the Shield. But we all know what's going to happen when the Shield do eventually break. They'll go back to booing Roman. And yeah. it's just... It just seems ridiculous. He just can't win, really. Like, oh, stop being a bloody focus of the show and things. So I say, like, well, okay, I'm going to win... The secondary title on the show and make that important. Like, oh, stop wearing it. Like, uh, yeah. We should call it the NTP Nental title because you wear it like a TP Taos. I mean, don't bother me. No, I just think it's daft. I think next time Roman comes out, he should do a bubba and just jump it round his neck. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we need that more. <laughs> Fuck round my waist. It's round my neck. <laughs> How about most improved performers of the year? Braun. 100%, yeah. Braun. Obvious reasons. I think he's improved 100% from coming away from the Wyatts. Like, that's not even a detriment to him. You know, it is what it is. He was good when he was with the Wyatts, but I think if you were going to try and get him as a singles guy, take him away from that. And I'd like to know, actually, who's had the input with him. You know, who's who's sat him down and spoke yeah. to him about... I'd like to think it was Triple H, but... <laughs> But yeah. Triple H is <laughs> understands about being a big guy and a monster <laughs> wrestler, yeah. But I just think that I, you know, just say thanks to the guy that's actually you know helping Braun and sitting him down and saying you know you do this, do that, do the other. A lot of credit's been put towards working house shows with the Big Show, I think. Right. Yeah, I think he would be the main, like the the big one of the the biggest improvement. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd like to say Jason Jordan just because I liked his stuff in NXT. I mean, he's got a shit storyline, but he's a really good wrestler. He's a really good wrestler. Yeah, he's been very consistent in the ring. And I mean, I, I know we're at the point where he's a tag team champion again. Yeah. But working as a single is a very different environment to cope with and being as part of a tag team. But I think also, you know, maybe. I know Dean's now out for nine months, but having Jason Jordan and Seth working together a lot can only help Jason. You know, learning off Seth and learning the different things. So, who knows? We'll see. Definitely. I mean, like, Seth would have probably had a lot of the same problems, really. Like, oh, this flashy guy with some fancy moves. You know, how does he get a bit more depth to his in-ring work and Mm. things like that? Big ones for me were the Office of Pain. 
Yeah. But tailing the last year, like, oh, God, who are these lumps? Mm. But, hey, what a surprise, working with DIY for several months, and yeah, yeah. get things locked in. They've been very good on all of the takeover shows they've been on, I thought. They have, yeah. And again, a surprise with them being big guys. Yeah. You know, that they can wrestle. And I think that's what they need to do going forward. I think th- there's no point in just getting some big lump because he's huge. Mm. You know, actually get someone who's a big lump but can wrestle. That's kind of the big mixture. I look at Walter, for example. Yeah. The progress, you know. He's a big guy. But he can do his stuff. So then, so what's the, the issue? Yeah. Wonderful fundamentals in general, really. Mm. Yeah. Feels a bit weird for me saying this because I don't think he ever really dipped in the ring but again that Andrade Almas just really got on point in terms of where he was going and mm. what he was doing this year and another big name that's come through for me is Peyton Royce she was someone at the start of the year she'd be in multi-person matches and like oh, well okay she can be a credit to herself and stuff like that but now it's the point where she'd be in a match with several people. I'm like, oh, okay, she she's the standout person. Like, she's not mm. filling in the field. Yeah. Like, she does something that makes you remember her instead of, like, oh, well, that was the match she was in. Yeah. She has the best perfect plex ever. She's got a good moveset. I think it helps that uh, who she, she wrestles with as well. Mm. What about things you'd hope to improve next year what's your kind of wish list of things like right this is how things should be corrected I'd like to see more truthful storylines it's not about getting on the mic and getting the dirt sheet out but I'd like to see more of this blurred line you know like we saw with Cena and Miz and Cena and Roman this blurred line of what's real what isn't I think that really works yeah so you want to feel kind of like genuinely awkward yeah. as opposed to like oh well I'm supposed to feel awkward for this person yeah but like yeah like a perfect example is I absolutely love the idea that you've got three new girls on Smackdown three well two new girls on Raw with Paige yeah and they're beating the shit out of everyone you know great absolutely great yeah. Stephanie McMahon comes out and she announces the Royal Rumble what does everybody do we're all friends Royal Rumble I know yeah but I think I was a little bit harsh on that initially because now I found out none of the people in the ring other than Stephanie knew what yeah. the announcement was or what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Which, so, you know, that's fine. But, again, like this is a big thing for my wish list, the role of Stephanie. Why is this big moment for the women's division this big self-aggrandizing moment for Stephanie McMahon? I was like, okay, children, the adults are in the room now. I can announce the big important thing that's going to happen. Yeah, unless it was her idea. It's possible. I don't know. I mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. I, I couldn't ever see Vince announcing it. Who would you rather have had announce it? I'm not necessarily ste- against Steph being the one to announce yeah. it. Just against the idea that she doesn't give a fuck she's not afraid of the entire women's division being in the ring ah, yeah, possibly yeah, being yeah. able to beat her up yeah so again it's it's like I was saying down to storyline of maybe she should have kept her on the ramp yeah saying like okay as you were and then 
the women can react however the hell they want. Yeah. Her being front and centre, they are, yes, 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 appropriating the Daniel Bryan shtick. Just... See, that might have worked better because if you were on the ramp, the girls would have celebrated in the ring, but then you would have gone back and maybe Paige and Absolution or whatever they're called, they, they would have then cleared the ring and it Something, been like... Yeah. Oh, they're ready for the the you know the rumble and you know. I mean, I'd have been all right with them just eyeing each other suspiciously till they go off air, or just looking individually excited. Because mm. you saw that I went back and looked at when they announced the women's money in the back match. Like Tamina had a big massive grin on her face. Like you could tell they were relishing this opportunity, but like individually, because yeah. they're just beating the shit out of each other, you know. But yeah, that's one thing that I'm looking for in 2018 is that blurred line of, I want that awkwardness. Yeah. I want to feel like I don't mind either one of them winning. Like that blurred line of, he's not face, he's not heel. He's a person. I'd like to see more... Like when a a match is being put on, like something is on the line in this match. More stakes. Yeah. Yeah, more stakes, because I, th- I feel like more matches now and now are just put together and just like, right, you just go wrestle. Or just fill out the card. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think that every match, there needs to be a stake to it. Look at the Attitude Era, you know, forget the fact that titles used to change hands every 24 hours, or the fact that, you know, there was a weapon used nearly all the time. Every single match that JR and Jerry Lawler introduced... There was a meaning behind that match. There was stakes for that match. You know, we don't have that anymore. And I think that's what, what's missing as well for you to get invested into each match. Because sometimes you switch off. Tone is of very big importance, really. Yeah. Like, even from, like, how the announced teams treat it. Like, mm. if they're plugging other shtick mid-match and things like that, mm. like, oh, well, they've zoned out. Yeah. Do I really need to pay attention now? No. I just want people to stop going missing on SmackDown for months. Like, this Ty Dillinger just turned up this week on SmackDown. Ten! For the, probably for the first time in ten weeks yeah. going off. Like, I know they have an hour less than Raw, but just people go mm. weeks without getting any storyline, any airtime. Dolph went missing forever and... He did this, oh, I'm not just an entrance stick, which meant that Bobby Roode had to go missing forever. Mm. You know, I think NXT, they only have an hour a week, and they do a pretty good job of switching people in and out, I think. Yeah. To keep the show fresh. SmackDown's the same old faces getting a limelight, and then Mm. a lot of people with nothing for them. Yeah. That's a big irritant of mine. My other big one is I just like heels to be booked a lot stronger. Mm. And turns, some turns especially. So like Jack Gallagher turned heel early summer and it's been probably the most impotent heel turn I think I've ever seen. He's been resoundingly beaten like a drum ever since. Mm. I can't think of a match he's won. Like what's the point of turning him heel then if Mm. you can have him lose all the time? It's how you do it as well. That the, it's the whole heel to face, face to heel switch, isn't it? That he, it's so much easier 
I think, to switch from a heel to a face, which sounds ridiculous because it's so much easier to be a heel. But because if someone's getting a beat down, you come out and save them, you're a face straight away. Yeah. Whereas with a heel, depending on crowd reaction, you could be a face, beat down on someone, and you're still a face. Yeah. Like if you got someone to beat down on Roman, there's a fine line of there's got how do you do it? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I know what you mean about Jack and the way that he turned. It seems pointless. Like there's been no jumping where he's going. Yeah, exactly. You're saying that's the whole point. You turn to get up Mm. the cards. Yeah. Behold the king. The king of kings. On your knees, dog. Anyway, it's onto your favourite category. The one we've all been building towards. <laughs> the direct <laughs> moment of the year. <laughs> Kicking Jason Jordan out of the Survivor Series team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor lad. <laughs> He's not really been around this year, has he? You know, we let's be honest. Yeah, not a great deal, no. But when he has been, he's been important. He came back at the beginning of the year, said to Seth, you've got no chance of having a match. Seth then blurred that line a bit by coming to NXT. They had the match at Mania. Disappeared for a while. We saw him speaking to Kevin Owens, and, you know, we teased something there. And then he came back in November and... It was a good Survivor Series match. I loved how the match was won. That was was cool. Yeah, so there's not really a favourite Triple H moment because I suppose if you add all them together, it is just one moment. But I think that's kind of where, sadly, Triple H is only going to pop up every now and again. That's a shame. Very nice to see him get a belt like last year. (laughs) But, you know, I mean... The thing is, going forward, it's exciting for me because he's going to run the company eventually. Well, I mean, you're saying going forward, they were falling over themselves backwards to give in possible future storylines in that Survivor Series match. He fucked over Kurt, he fucked over Shane, he fucked over Braun. Oh, do you know the best thing ever? Go on. Was him walking into the LED screen. Oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Even as big a fan as I am of Triple H, that was hilarious. In general, Triple H, when he comes back, he does the right thing. It's exactly like he was with Seth at WrestleMania this year, with Roman the year before. He comes back to make a name of himself so that he can put someone over that's going to be like in the catburn seat for the rest of yeah, the year. I think the whole the whole shtick behind him burying people is now slowly disappearing. All jokes aside, we knew in the Attitude Era, you know, he would bury anybody. Yeah. And he just wormed his way up the company. We know, we know. But I think that as he's got older and as he's got more responsibilities, he's now trying to give back. And over the last few years, you can see that. <laughs> and I think as well, Survivor Series, as, as much as everybody hated how it finished, you know, I think he put Braun over. He pretty much pissed on the Kurt and Jason Jordan storyline. <laughs> but, I mean, who who wouldn't want that to be pissed on? Because that's a ridiculous story. Mm. 
Yeah, from Solaris, you know, it's not like he's stayed around and he wants to do different things, you know. He's now back concentrating on NXT. Mm. I think that's his biggest success though, isn't it, NXT? To be fair, nobody can knock him for what he's done. He's been a very sound guy for helping people with their futures from a backstage standpoint. Yeah. One of my favourite Triple H moments have come. They're off television, but they're not like fully outside the ring. He just larks about on house shows now, and it's hilarious. So like his dad dancing with New yeah, Day, yeah, things yeah. like that. <laughs> he just, he and then just the, the Indian like dancing with the Singh brothers, and then just lays them out with the pedigree. Oh yeah, you talk about you talk about the burials. Yeah, <laughs> beating Jinder in India for the bants. Oh, oh my god! I don't see anything wrong with that because a Jinder's American, right? <laughs> So the whole Indian tour is one of those build a character sort of things, let's be honest. Uh-huh. Number two, Triple H beating Jinder got a huge pop. Thirdly, at the end of the match, Triple H was there with Jinder. Jinder did a bow to him, did the whole prayer thing to him. I don't think anyone saw the bad side of that. I think it was more... A sort of passing of the torch sort of thing. As much as I don't want him to pass anything to Jinder, I don't see anything wrong with it. It just felt like a relief to me. Like It's a clear indicator, okay, the experiment's over now. Mm. It's not going to be pushed quite so hard. I could see him winning the US title. Mm-hmm. And that would give him a big, big heel heat. But yeah, I don't think we'll see Jinder for a while. Mm. and yeah the other thing as well is him in terms of how show larking about dressing up like the shield yeah <laughs> love things like your dad's cosplaying as Roman while he was injured and sick he, he looked good though he did look good <laughs> he did look good he looked oh. better than Kurt Kurt didn't look good at all oh bless god <sighs> I was still marking out so hard when Kurt did it. It's one of those stupid things people suggest on Twitter, like, they're never going to do it, they're never going to do it. Fucking hell, they're doing it! Yes! Just to end on, what about stuff outside of the WWE? Like, we brought up Kenny and Okada. Is there anything else? Well, the progress stuff. Fantastic stuff on there. Been keeping up to date on the, the episodes that have been afterwards. Like we said in that episode, the independent stuff is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Mm. And it can only benefit everyone. The fans, the promoters, the company itself, WWE. And, you know, may that build continue. Yeah, for sure. So, like you mentioned, the progress show we went to, Chapter 57, gets a big hearty recommend from us. Mm. Check out our previous episode to hear our thoughts on that. And the other progress show I'd definitely recommend from this year was Chapter 45, which is another show I attended live. So I had Pete Dunne and Jimmy Havoc in a death match. Really, really good. Like the wildest progress match I've seen live. Wow. And it was uh, Mustache Mountain against South Pacific Power Trip. Really, really good match. Yeah. It's probably their most consistent card of the year outside of their big events, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. 
Ring of Honor had a few highlights as well. So the Supercard of Honor 11 had the unbelievable Young Bucks and the Hardys ladder match. Yeah. Right before they went and did another one 24 hours later. Yeah. WrestleMania. We, we didn't know about. <laughs> no, yeah. And Cody and Jay Leaf had a pretty good bull rope match as well. Again, speaking of lethal, at the 15th anniversary, he had a killer last man standing match against Silas Young. Yeah. Really, really brutal. Like, they upload the pictures of the skin and stuff and taking the lashings and all that. It looked really, really painful. Mm. Japanese stuff, yeah, we've talked about Okada and Kenny. They've had a tremendous year together. Okada's just a wonderful big match performer now. Been champion all year. Been champion all year long. Oh yeah, yo! Love it. He's been champion throughout the year, and he's delivered with everyone. His match with Shibata. I'm, you know, it's really unfortunate what happened to him in terms of the injury, but yeah. it was good. Drug another good match out of Farley. Incredible top line performer. Well, while we're still on the subject of that, yeah. before we move on, what are your thoughts on Jericho and Omega? I think it was really interesting. You could kind of see something was going on because they were bantering back with each other yeah. on Twitter. Now, the rumour is that WWE are involved with this. I've read somewhere that they're doing Wrestle Kingdom, then Jericho's going to be in the Rumble, Omega's going to come out cost him the rumble they're then going to have their rematch at Mania and then Omega's going back to New Japan so they're not actually signing Omega because of the whole Omega doesn't want to leave Japan mm. but WWE have I, mean, I don't know how true that is but that's what I'd, I'd read on you know the, the yeah. good old Bleacher reports alright so who knows hmm it sounds a little far-fetched to me. It'd be cool if it happened, yeah. but my understanding of it was Jericho's got this big cruise coming up over the summer. Mm. He reached out to NXT, like, oh, do you want to do stuff here? And they're like, nah. So he went to Ring of Honor instead, and then through that, he got involved with New Japan. Right. He's doing pretty well for himself, really, like building up interest for this match, yeah. like, the way he's attacked Kenny and stuff in the press conference and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like he, he works very well with the way the Japanese wrestling media works. So, like The way he's been talking about Naito and things like that, it yeah. sounds like he's really working towards a match with Naito somewhere down the line, possibly. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. I think most... Big hardcore New Japan fans really wanted a Kenny and Ibushi match. But if we're not going to get that, I think Jericho, as far as like a, a newsworthy opponent for Kenny, probably as big as you can get. And yeah. it's going to put a lot of eyes on, on that product. Yeah. I think I mentioned a few episodes ago, my favourite New Japan match was Kenny against Naito in the G1 final. They were hellacious together. Like, it really felt like they both wanted it. He also had some good matches with Tomohiro Ishii, he's like one of the most underrated guys yeah. on the scene. A couple of other things that I enjoyed were Hiromo Takahashi's run as the junior heavyweight champion, and he's been really good building his character as well, and having sort of unusual persona. Like his matches always delivered as well, like with Ricochet, with Kushida, mm. all kinds of opponents. 
And the other like unexpectedly fun thing is the Toguchi Japan faction. Yes. Which is just kind of like a cheeky knockoff of Los Ingobernables to Japan. Yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah, well yeah, you you Los Ingobernables to help on. Well, well we're we're Toguchi Japan, yeah, and just crazy old Toguchi just thinking he's running like a football team and stuff and. Yeah. having a bit of gas with a whole revolving door of characters I think that the whole idea behind it all is is quite fun you know you can see that they did just want to have fun yeah there's always loads of tag team matches on New Japan and like when Suzuki Gun were missing in Noah for a year or two there were so many just like heatless pointless babyface versus babyface tag team mm. matches it just didn't really serve any purpose whereas like now you've got all these heel factions and now you've got all the the random singles baby faces coming together and having a bit of a lark and showing yeah. some unity. It just it just ups the fun factor for the show and yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes matches that wouldn't really have been all that interesting on their own, like mm. far more entertaining. No, yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. But I think it's been a good year in general, really. Yeah, I think it's been a fantastic year. Let's see what happens in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Again, it feels like there's more wrestling in the world at this point in time than yeah. there has been like more notable wrestling, certainly. I think this time next year, we'll look back at this episode and we'll have much more to say mm-hmm. in, in regards to wrestling as a whole. I think we'll, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen in 2018. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So that will wrap it up for this episode. Remember, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher Radio, and on SoundCloud. Our SoundCloud page is the best place to catch up with all of our previous episodes. I've got a playlist of everything there. And you can also check out my appearances on the Raw is Nitro podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at TNW Podcast. That's the easiest place to keep up with all the news with our podcast we're also on Facebook where we're starting to get a little bit more active don't forget to give us a review and stuff on Apple Podcasts great help for our exposure if you enjoy what we do and spread the word wherever you can and check out ayatollahrockandroller.blogspot.com for older show reviews and little production notes on old episodes if you don't hear from us in a good while just expect us for the rumble yeah, we will appear for the room. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Alrighty, so it's a goodbye from Kyle. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next year. And it's a goodbye from me. Cheers, everyone, and all the best for 2018.